beautiful day for a paddle down the river, right? You're in your kayak, enjoying the sun on your face, maybe some gentle rapids or something more extreme, whatever you like. But let's mix it up a little bit. How about some waterfalls? The whole world kind of seems to just fall away. Uh, you don't see where you're landing until you're at the very, very lip of the drop, and there's no turning back. So, um... Sending yourself off of a 70-foot waterfall in a kayak, or a waterfall in general, may not be for you. It's certainly not for me. But decisions and the elements that are out of our control... Those are things that aren't foreign to us. I might get nervous while scouting the waterfall, and then uh, once I make a decision whether to run it or not, um, then that fear goes away. Usually, if I'm going to run it, I've got to push through that fear and focus on how confident I'm going to be to nail the line. All that in a giveaway you don't want to miss. This is Mountain Meister. Who are the Mountain Meisters? Committing to the goal and galvanizing you and your team behind that one single focus. Being at peace with that fear and being okay with it. You gain a real appreciation for your life and for what you have. Learn about their extreme lives on rock, snow, and ice with your host, Ben Shank. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mountain Meister. This is Ben Shank, your host. And today, we welcome Emily Jackson, Nick Troutman. Hello, the two of you. Hi. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us, Ben. Emily Jackson and Nick Troutman are both professional whitewater kayakers. In 2009, they decided to join forces through the bond of marriage to create what can only be called a kayaking power couple, then, a couple of years later, they had a baby who can only be known as the kayaking prodigy, Tucker. How's Tucker doing? I heard you just changed a diaper, Nick. <laughs> I did, yes. He's, um, he's running around with just a diaper on somewhere and causing trouble, playing Legos and stuff. So he's, um, Takes down- after his dad. <laughs> oh, you like to play with the Legos, Nick? And not wear pants. <laughs> oh, okay, that's where you're going. Well, good thing this is all audio, otherwise you would see me not wearing pants, too. Perfect. For our listeners, you may recognize Emily's voice from episode number 58. Uh, we chatted about Emily and the Jackson Kayak family. Check out that episode 58 Nick, I want to start by talking about what your background is, because similar to how Emily is at the top of the sport for women, you are at the top of the sport for men. So first of all, how did you get involved with kayaking? Um, I mean, I guess it's a bit of a long story, but uh, when, I was, when I was a teenager, like 13 years old, um, I had a really close friend, and we would do everything together, Joel Kowalski and his dad owned um, a rafting company at the time, and um, he was like, yeah, I'm going to not be able to hang out with you that much this summer because I'm going to go try this kayak school. And and then he was like, well, you can come try it too if you want. And I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds pretty cool because I've always seen the river and stuff, but never really knew that much about it. And after 15 minutes being in a boat, I just fell in love with it and haven't left since. It's just – it's been life-changing for me and pretty amazing so you got introduced through a camp yeah like uh it was a kayak school at first and then um 
because myself and, and Joel, we, we really got into it. His dad started this uh, Keener program, which is now a, the, it's kind of youth development teen camp um, based around kayaking, and it's one of the biggest um, teen kayak programs in the world. And so I still help coach with that, but that's really how I got into it a lot. Very cool. We'll throw that on your profile page on our website if our listeners want to check that out. So eventually it just escalated from there. I mean, you do some incredible things. It's really difficult to explain the absurdity of the tricks that you do and what you do. How did you decide to start doing flips and twists and all that sort of thing? Um, well, I, I grew up pretty much on the banks of the Ottawa River. My parents had a place about five minutes from there, and it just happens to be that uh, – the Ottawa River up in Canada is one of the best freestyle rivers in the world. It's just got a ton of really perfect waves and, and really good holes and stuff and really is a mecca for um, for freestyle kayaking. And so I was kind of just always immersed in that and therefore kind of grew up really around that whole scene and got into that um, before I got into um, river running and creek boating and waterfalls and stuff actually. So I, I kind of started around the freestyle and then just progressed with that and, and kind of branched out as well. Kayaking is really different because people that are, are learning, they have to be on a river too. So it's one river. So if it's um, a kayak school is based around a river, the people that live there that are the top kayakers, they're going to be in the same river as well. So if you're just getting into the sport, it's actually not uncommon. It'd be like learning how to snowboard and just happen to be next to Sean White or something like that. So huh. when you're learning how to kayak, a lot of times you sit there in your boat, you've never really been in it, and then you look across the river and you see someone doing some insane things. So it's really easy if you're hooked in it in the beginning, um, you get inspired very quickly because you don't have to go somewhere to necessarily see that kind of skill level. That sounds like a perfect influence for these young kids. Yeah, no, it really, I mean, obviously it's the exact influence what uh, got me hooked, but yeah. it's pretty incredible. And therefore, able to kind of pass that same inspiration on to, to the next generations and stuff like that. Hmm. You wonder what kind of effect something like that would have, especially the skiing and snowboarding examples. If you were able to ski right next to the pros, what kind of effect that could have on people? Uh, anyway, how did you meet Emily, Nick? <laughs> um, that's the most interesting story, I guess. Oh. So we kind of met like way back when I was, I don't know, 10 or something, again, through that same friend that got me into kayaking. But at the time, I hadn't kayaked yet and didn't really know much about kayaking. And he's got a little sister, Katie, who was really good friends with Emily. And so I would pretty much go over to Joel's house and Katie would be there with her friend, Emily, and we'd kind of like tease her and stuff like that. Um, and then it was years later when I got into kayaking, Emily's father, uh, EJ, was one of my inspirations for kayaking. And I remember one day we went over to, uh, I don't know, meet him or hang out with him or something like that. And Joel said, yeah, Katie's over there hanging out with EJ's daughter. And I was, I was just amazed. Like, what? EJ's got a daughter? He's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure you know her. And I was like, no, I definitely would know if I've met EJ's daughter. And then Emily walked out and I was like, what? Just totally shocked that I knew who this person was. And I had like, I had made fun of her and teased her for years. Uh, <laughs> But then um, he didn't get much nicer. Then uh, a couple of years after that, um, when I was about 16, I was invited to go uh, travel and train with EJ and the family and live in the RV with them. And so I got to spend roughly six months 
living with, with Emily and her family and got to know her a lot better and we got a lot closer. And then again, in the next couple of years, I did more trips with them and traveled more and um, was kind of mentored under EJ's wing a lot. And what that meant was just spending more time with Emily and we eventually started dating. And Now he just hasn't left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then... Then we got engaged and married. and So I'd imagine you guys do a ton of uh, paddling together. Do you ever go into one of the tandem kayaks? That seems like it would be really convenient. <laughs> it's called the Dynamic Duo, but it's also known as the Divorce Boat. <laughs> uh, it's, it, it's fun. We've done it a couple times. The last time he took me in it, uh, the river that we were running that day happened to shoot up. And it became really, really high, and we weren't really expecting that. So all the little holes turned into really big holes. And Nick's promise to me when we put on is that we would definitely not flip over. And uh, right at the beginning of the river run, the water was super high. We got super flipped at the top of the big rapids. Uh, We roll up, and I'm already, like, full-on not happy. Um, So that was the last time we were in a two-person kayak. And we've had a lot of fun in it together. But I think a healthier relationship is probably if we stay in our own boat. We did great, but I was we we pretty much just <laughs> stick with our own boats because it's uh, you can't pass the blame that way, right? So you guys don't try to uh, do different spins and that sort of thing in the tandem. Is that possible? Yeah, you can spin it. We surf and stuff like that as well. It's really fun. But Nick's more. I'm more the like sensitive person on the water and think twice about what we're doing. Nick's more like squirrel and charges after it type person. So he's <laughs> a rock or a wave. He doesn't really think before he goes and charges after it. At least I don't feel that way. We're in a two-person kayak. But yeah, we can spin it. You do big enders, which is where you just put the bow in and the whole boat pops up. And Wow. Whoever's in the front is kind of just riding. They're not really in control. And for some reason, he always puts me in front. So I get all the water up my nose <laughs> and zero control over what's happening. So it doesn't really work for me. Yeah, Emily doesn't like when I get to control the boat as much. Is that is that a metaphor for the relationship? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Uh, speaking of the relationship, I thought it would be fun, and I did not pregame you guys on this at all, so this is going to be a, su- a complete surprise. Are you aware of the game called The Newlywed Game? Like the old school? The old school game show where they yeah. ask couples to see how well they know each other. I, I've definitely heard of it. I don't exactly know how it works. We're don't, so screwed. But yeah, go for it. Okay, so what I'm going to do, I'm gonna, I have three questions lined up, and it's to see how much the two of you know about each other. Okay, and these are extraordinarily weird questions that I found <laughs> online. So don't think that I was creative enough to think of these, but I'm actually glad that I found them because they are so weird. So anyway, <laughs> first question, Nick, what is Emily's blood type? Oh, I think she's, um, it's either O negative or O positive, whichever the really rare one is. Emily? I'm pretty sure I'm the O one that I can receive any blood, but I can't give any blood. Isn't that the really rare one? I, I think we're going to go with that's the rare one. Nice work, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> First one's right. All right, Emily, your turn. What type of blood does Nick have? Are you serious? <laughs> I don't know. I think he's like A positive. Nick? I honestly have no idea. Okay, point for <laughs> Emily, too. <laughs> like, I think I'm cold-blooded. One to one. Question number two. What kind of eggs 
does Nick like most in the morning, Emily? Over easy, scrambled, sunny side up, fried, or poached? He likes them poached because it's more rare. But that's his favorite, poached over a piece of toast with avocado. Wow. Nick? Yeah, that's probably true. I like I like eggs pretty much any way you could think of. But uh, when, as Emily, long as I cook them. when Emily makes me breakfast, she does this really good egg sandwich where she poaches them and puts like avocado and cheese and maybe like some salsa and stuff on it. It's really good. And Emily, what, or sorry, Nick, what kind of eggs does Emily like most? Uh, she kind of goes through different phases of what she likes. <laughs> um, what does she like most lately? Um, she's been having some like fried eggs. Is that, is that right? That'd be a negative for Nick. Negative. All right. Two to one. To Emily, only because Nick doesn't know what his blood type is. <laughs> All right. Third question is the celebrity crush question. Who is Nick's celebrity crush? Oh, I don't even know. Anyone with boobs and legs? Anybody with big boobs and legs? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that, that about sums everything up for Nick. Probably, but I think that pretty much sums it up for most Nick guys. always had a crush when he was younger on Alicia Cuthbert, who was the girl from 24, his daughter, the blonde. I don't know if you remember that show, 24. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Nick always had a crush on her for a little while. But that was years ago. Now he just doesn't tell me when he has a crush on people. <laughs> That's true. She's probably the one. I definitely had a crush on her when I was in high school. I can't think of who I've got a celebrity crush on right now. Like Emma Watson. No, I don't. Dane likes Emma Watson. I thought you just liked whatever Dane liked. No. Right. We're finding out so much about you, too. Okay, <laughs> who is Emily's celebrity crush? Oh, um, I'm pretty bad with celebrity names. Um, just name the movie or whatever. What's the, what's the guy from Drive? Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. Don't you like him? Yeah, I'd... I'd- Make out with him for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I think Ryan Gosling, similar to the big boobs and legs thing, every girl has a crush on Ryan Gosling. Nick, you might even have a crush on Ryan Gosling if he got a pair of boobs. (laughs) (laughs) He does have nice legs. All right, we're going to call it a draw. Very good work, both of you. Moving on to something that has to do with kayaking. Um, we'd like to get a gear recommendation from all of our guests. And Nick, I would like you to go first. Give our listeners something that they have to have. Um, definitely when you're getting into kayaking, um, key important piece of gear would be your paddle. There's a lot of different types of paddles out there. Uh, there's straight shaft and bent shaft and all sorts of different terms that you might not understand if you're really just getting into it. What I've been using and really, really like is um, a lightning paddle. Uh, It's got foam core so that the paddle actually floats when you let go of it. It's got a bent shaft so it just uh, ergonomically um, makes your wrist in the right position every time you're doing a paddle stroke. And uh, it's just a really, really good paddle. So I've been using a bent shaft lightning paddle that's been pretty sweet. Excellent. So bent shaft lightning powder, is there a reason to have a non, like just a straight shaft for a paddle? A lot of people use a, a straight shaft for doing more waterfalls and stuff like mm. that. Uh, just because in theory, if you're, if the shaft is straight, you've got uh, less weak spots in it to break. People say that uh, a bent shaft being that you've got a couple kinks in the shaft, then you're adding uh, stress points where it'll more likely to break on a huge impact. But I've been uh, been pretty lucky, and I've been running a lot of 
big waterfalls and haven't had any issues. So um, I think that uh, bench shaft for me is just the way to go. Very cool. Yep, we will throw that resource on your Meister profile page, Nick. And Emily, we got a gear recommendation from you in your previous Mountain Meister episode. We want to get another one. Another one, okay. Well, uh, obviously it's kind of turning into winter now. It's getting cold. So I've been very, very happy to be in my Kokatat dry top. And they actually make um, women-specific ones. So like the torso length and everything fits perfectly um, and the sizing is just great. It's a Gore-Tex, so that means it's it's pretty bomber. It's, it's as waterproof as waterproof gets. And uh, Kokotat's the only brand that I know that um, I feel like my gear, I can use it season after season, and I'll still be dry when I get out of the water. So um, a Kokotat Gore-Tex um, legend dry top is the way to go for sure. Emily, beautifully articulated there. The Kokotat dry top, Emily's second or third, actually, Meister recommendation. I think you had Sperry Water Shoes and the Jackson Kayak Rockstar last time. So now the Kokatat Dry Top and Kokatat has been gracious enough to offer the Meister fans an exclusive deal, which is a free, free Kokatat Dry Top. Here's how to win this stylish, functional, and intricately engineered piece of clothing. So similar to past giveaways that we've had on Mountain Meister, we like to give away the free products to the people who show us why they need them. So if Kokatat dry tops keep you warm and dry, we want to see pictures of when you're cold and wet. On social media, post a picture either on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and use the hashtag Kokatat Meister. K-O-K-A-T-A-T-M-E-I-S-T-E-R. That's a little difficult to remember. So go to our website, mtnmeister.com, for highlights of this giveaway. We'll also be blasting it out through Facebook and Twitter. Also, don't forget to follow or like Mountain Meister on whatever platform you submit your photo so we can message you when you win. Now back to our conversation with Emily and Nick. Guys, kayaking at first seems like a sport that's difficult to pursue for some reason. But if you think about it, there are pretty much rivers all over this geographically diverse country that we live in. Do I have that right? I mean, kayaking is a pretty easy sport to pursue, and it's actually not that expensive. You need the kayak, a paddle, maybe a life jacket, and a Kokotat dry top, and all of those things are going to last you for a really long time. For sure, yeah. You definitely, uh, if you look into it, there's obviously rivers everywhere. Um, And it really is, I mean, accessible to whatever extent you're looking for. Um, There's flat water, there's class one, two, three, four, all the way up to class five um, white water. Obviously, if you're getting into it, you're going to want to stick towards um, the the easier stuff, either flat water or easier white water until your your skills kind of... uh, progress but there's a lot of um a lot of great white water all over pretty much every different state we've traveled all over the u.s and there's also a lot of great kayak schools all over the u.s which is um a great way to get into it just they'll teach you a lot of the basics and all the strokes and everything that you need um or you can kind of just go with a more of a wreck boat to start and just give it a shot and go paddle out on a on a lake or or flatwater river or something like that but the, um, anyone can get into it just by, if you pretty much Google whitewater kayaking schools or if you look for a local whitewater kayak dealership, 
um, a lot of times by searching that, a lot of dealerships actually offer pool rolling clinics or they'll offer um, different uh, resources just for getting into it because they want you to get hooked on it so that way you go shop, you know, in the dealerships, obviously. So a lot of the dealerships offer uh, programs for people that are just getting into the sport. So if you just look up whitewater kayaking with your local town or the closest big town, um, you're probably going to find something because, like you said, there's whitewater all across the U.S. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I heard Tucker crying in the background there, which gives so much authenticity to this interview. <laughs> if either of you need to get up at any time to go take care of Tucker, by all means, go ahead. Uh, kayaking seems like great exercise, too. We see all these trendy sports popping up, like indoor rock climbing or, I don't know, yoga. Kayaking could be trendy, too, right? I mean, it's great exercise. Oh, sure. Abdominal work the entire time. Yeah. Uh, the fun part about kayaking is that, like, kind of like rock climbing and a lot of sports that people get into for the physical benefit is that uh, you don't, you're having so much fun in general, you don't notice what mm. good exercise you're getting until afterwards when your shoulders are sore and your abs are sore you're like oh i must have paddled harder than i thought because i'm hurting today um so i definitely agree with that completely and you actually work your hips and your legs a little bit as well when you're when you're getting into it it's a full body workout yeah absolutely so moving on to something that you guys do but our listeners don't or at least nick i have seen you uh, what do they call it sending big waterfalls <laughs> and, and to be completely honest that looks like it hurts a lot does it um i mean it doesn't hurt if you do it right if you screw it up then it, it then it can hurt and um obviously the the bigger the waterfalls um the more chance of possible injury i guess or i guess not more chance but a, a higher risk um in the sense that if you screw up a really big waterfall and land flat, uh, you could break your back. Yes. But if you watch, um, the bigger the waterfall, you'll you'll always see that the nose of the boat is uh, trying to go vertical and um, plunge into the water so that you, you kind of go in like with the water and less impact on your body. And if you go flatter, there's just a lot of impact and you'll stop there. And therefore, all that impact gets usually put straight into your back. How big of waterfalls are we talking about? Um, I mean, the world record as of right now is 186 feet, uh, set by Tyler Bratt. But the highest one that I've ran is um, is somewhere around 70. Okay, 70 feet, that's higher than the apartment building that I live in, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Emily, what do you think of, of these big waterfalls? Um, I'm not a big height person. I'm really, I like to see where I'm going in my kayak. And when you're at the top of a waterfall, and I've been there many times before, uh, the whole world kind of seems to just fall away. Uh, you don't see where you're landing until you're at the very, very lip of the drop and there's no turning back. So, um, I think it's, uh, you know, maybe fun in moderation, but for me, it's like very moderate. Like I... That's not how I choose to spend the time in my kayak, but uh, I can understand the thrill that the boys would get from it because it's a little bit of, uh, it's actually a lot of faith. You know, you just kind of have to trust yourself completely because you're committing before you're actually doing anything. Mm. If you're at the point of no return. Yeah, exactly. Like all the times when I stress out at the top of a waterfall, 
I'm like, well, I'm already peeled out. Like, I don't know why I'm still stressing out. I really shouldn't because it's not like I have an option anymore. I have to go over the waterfall. Interesting. So it's out of your control, but you still get nervous. Yes. So that's why I avoid large waterfalls. The biggest I've only ever done is like 20, 25. And I don't think I'll go much higher. That's high enough for me. Mm -hmm. So Nick, do you get that same sensation that sometimes you get nervous as you approach the the bigger waterfalls, even though there's nothing that you can do about it? Uh, For me, it's a little bit different where I, I might get nervous while scouting the waterfall and then uh, once I make a decision whether to run it or not, um, then that fear goes away. Usually, if I'm going to run it, I've got to push through that fear and focus on how confident I'm going to be to nail the line, or else it's it's probably a little bit too risky for me to do. Um, and then once you peel out, you really just want to focus on making sure that you're going to make the line, and you kind of only think, I don't know, positive thoughts or really focused on that that specific line you almost go or at least I find sometimes you you kind of go into your subconscious where you're not really even thinking you're just more reacting um and then that's usually how you have the best line but this is a lot of times we like to talk about how the stuff that you guys do parallels our everyday lives this is a perfect metaphor about how you're approaching something and you really can't you don't have any control over those outside forces so nick you're able to kind of put those aside and focus on only what you can focus on that is something that we can apply to all of our lives right yeah just focus on what is in your control and then use that to have the best outcome love it nick troutman emily jackson Thank you guys for joining us today on Mountain Meister. It has been fantastic having the two of you. For the listeners, check out resources, highlights, everything that we chatted about today on our website, mtnmeister.com, under Nick and Emily's Meister profile page. What's what's the plan for the, for the two of you for the rest of the day? You got any plans? Well, we just got done kayaking, so maybe we should try to do a little bit of work. But uh, <laughs> it's raining, so rivers are running, so I think we might be out of here. Nice. Good deal. All right. Enjoy the rest of your days. Thanks for having well, us. Thanks done. for having us. Hello, Meister fans. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of this wonderful podcast that we call Mountain Meister. We know you guys love free gear, which is why we work hard to get you these giveaways. In this case, it's worth $250, which is nice. The way you normally win our free gear is to post a picture of why you need it. So in this case, the Kokatat dry tops keep you warm and dry. You'll need it if you're cold and wet. Send us a picture of when you are cold and wet. Creativity counts. Don't forget to tag us in your post and use the hashtag #CocatatMeister. Full details on our website, mtnmeister.com. As usual, enjoy doing the rest of whatever you do when you listen to this podcast. Until next time, I am Ben Shank, and you've been listening to Mountain Meister. Mountain Meister.